0: I'm Tyler Smiley. And I'm John Morrison. And this is the Rooted and Grounded podcast. Rooted and Grounded creates theological content to grow the church and our knowledge of God in order that we would grow in our love for Him and for our neighbor. You want to find out more? You can go to rootedandgrounded.co. Rootedandgrounded.co. You write a good tagline there, John. I'm I'm proud of you for writing that.
1: Thank you. Your affirmation means everything to me.
0: (laughs) Of course, I read it every week, and I'm sure they assume I wrote it. I just want to give proper credit where credit is due. I appreciate that. Speaking of credit, yeah. how about that intro song? Oh, Zach McQueen. He did that by himself, which is amazing to me.
1: I think he's going somewhere
0: in life. I think he's gonna he's gonna be all right. He's got talent, man. He really does. And uh and the guy did that on on short notice for us. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I was really impressed by the way you bullied him into that. That was good, Tyler. Well, one day we're going to have Zach on the show, and we're going to talk about uh, maybe a, a theology of worship, and we'll talk about how the church worships, what worship, how we define that individually, corporately. All the, that That'd be a great conversation. I know that's an interest of yours, right? Oh, absolutely. So we're going to do that one day, but today is not that day, <laughs> sadly. It's just you and what I. What a tease. I, what a tease. What a tease. They'll have to come back later for that one. Yeah. Stay tuned after the break. Today we're gonna finish our conversation that we started last podcast, and that was on the church. And you gave me a real hard time um about my accounting skills in that. See, I said there were three three uh things we we're gonna talk about. And you said there are actually four. I said, I know, but I wanna say three because good things come in 3 Mm-hmm. So I said we we're gonna talk about the people of God. Number two would be Bride slash Body of Christ, which is actually two different things, to be fair. And then number three would be Temple of the Holy Spirit. So do you remember where we got to? Uh, we talked about the Bride. Uh-huh. We were
1: finishing up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think we ever got to
0: Revelation
1: on the Bride. We That's didn't talk right. a little bit about Marriage Supper of the Lamb and that sort of thing. I think we talked to largely some Old Testament images. Yeah. Uh, but
0: we, I don't believe we got to Revelation. So we pretty fairly covered the church as the people of God. We did at least the first half of the church as the bride of Christ, but it may be helpful to finish up that conversation of the church as the bride of Christ with the marriage supper of the lamb in revelation and then, uh, and then go to the next metaphor, which is the body of Christ. So, uh, where where do we see that language in Revelation of the marriage supper of the Lamb?
1: We get to Revelation 19. Yeah. Right. We see well, this picture that the Lamb, Christ Jesus himself, has come to a wedding feast with his church, with his bride, with us. Do you want to read that for us? Are you
0: yeah. there? I, I'm there. I'm All there. Right. I'll read it. I'll read it. Uh, starting in verse 9? Yeah. That's great. I think that's the right place, isn't it? Or should I back up? Oh, let's back up. Let's yeah, back up. Let's back yeah. up a little bit. I, I want to start, let me just start in 6, verse 6. So this is Revelation 19, verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt, And give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. And it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Verse 9, And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Amen. So, what is the the marriage supper of the lamb? How does this? What is this imagery getting at? What is this doing? How is this helpful? Just start start the conversation there.
1: Well, I think it picks up on a theme, like two themes in Scripture. One is the church is the bride of Christ, like we talked about, but also this idea of feasting with God. Mm -hmm. um, From at least with Abraham. Right You see God coming mm-hmm. and eating with his people, right, uh, but then so how often in the Gospels does Jesus both talk about the kingdom of God as a meal um as a banquet, even as a marriage separate points? yeah, but also how does he show that the kingdom of God has come in himself is he eats with people, yeah, and he eats with the outcasts and the marginalized and the people who don't seem to be part any power in this world. Yeah. He eats with them and invites them in or he's invited in, right? He's eating with people. So I think it brings these two themes together, but it's something we know, yeah. right? It seems to cross most culturals, cultures is that marriage is a big deal mm-hmm. and there's usually a big party that goes with
0: it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that seems a fairly universal thing. And and to your point about having meals together, too. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a relatively ordinary thing to do. I mean, it's, it's so common
1: mm-hmm. when, you, mm-hmm. when you
0: have meals and we eat together. So it's almost as if to say, uh, well, it takes something that's a, an incredible celebration of a meal, the marriage supper of the Lamb, but it also is taking the idea of just the ordinariness hmm. of eating together and God doing what God seems to always do, taking ordinary things and making it extraordinary. And you get that with this meal. Like now, this is the meal of all meals.
1: And it goes back to what we've talked about before that with the new heavens and new earth, there is this touch point with our current creation, our current existence, and yet it far supersedes anything we could ever imagine. So there's this point of connectivity, and yet
0: it's so much greater than anything we could hope. Yeah. So is this a meal that, like... uh, well, let me back up a quick let me back up a second you know what i love about i love about this text i really like the end of verse eight about this text every time i read it i just i don't know maybe i'm so thankful that there's this little note for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints isn't that just like a great explanatory clear concise note uh i am don't
1: want to uh you know pick a bone with an author of scripture but could we've gotten a few more of those in revelation john that would, would have it have been, been a little would have
0: been too much would that have been too hard but i, I love the clarity that oh, that absolutely, brings. and 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 also that it it calls us to live the i mean so you talk about practical application of yes. this text yeah you say well what makes the bride so beautiful on that day. I mean, the, well, sh- the bride's wearing the dress and mm. this kind of thing. And But to say that when we when we take this metaphor for what it's intended to show us what the church looks like together, right, this is the deeds of the saints together, mm-hmm. which I'm taking to mean corporately together. I mean, the, they're the individual actions, but they're the actions corporately of them together. Yes, yeah, okay. and then we're one bride. One bride, many saints. Yes. Okay, that's great clarification. So to say that, The fine linen that the bride is wearing are the righteous deeds and that just means the living this the the living out of these things into the world Mm -hmm. i mean that we are the bride of christ and that we act in that way in the world is that right
1: that's great i think so that we are part of this kingdom that jesus i mean so I'm stuck on this meal picture again, but we're just part of this kingdom that Jesus showed us in these meals with the marginalized, with the outcast. Yeah, uh, good book. I don't know if you read it. Tim Chester's "A Meal with Jesus."
0: No, but he
1: he bases it off. Oh, I can't remember the author's name who looks at. It's basically like eating and drinking through the Gospel of Luke. Oh, um, yeah. But so Chester takes it, and then basically says this is a way. I would be. I would summarize it as your dining room table should be a place of mission hmm. and how we can emulate Jesus's ministry by inviting people around our
0: tables. Really good read. I like that. You might get it for Christmas. Oh, ooh, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah. I would welcome that. But also, you know what it makes me think of? This is a total sidebar. I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to anyways. Uh, this is shout-out to Davis Lacey. If he's listening to this, this is why we need him as our stat boy. Mm. which he said he would do he did say he He said he would sit in on this and we we couldn't think of something or when we made an error that neither one of us recognized that he would call us out yeah on the show he'd be looking all this up in real time that's right uh don't see him davis
1: is not here something about starting a church and (laughs) finishing seminary and
0: having young children huh apparently being a pastor is time consuming while it's starting a church and finishing seminary and being a pastor. Seems like we have plenty of time to record a podcast. <laughs> well, let's get back to the topic <laughs> at hand. Uh, it is this... I mean, so I think of the marriage supper of the Lamb and Revelation, uh, and I think about Jesus in Matthew 26. I tell you, I will not eat. I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. I mean, are these things sort of inherently connected? I think they have to be. Yeah. Um and I think that's
1: you know, probably grew up too much thinking about the Lord's Supper as a very somber experience. Yeah. And I if we could maybe instead of somber think of solemn and reverential, but there's almost an exuberance to looking forward. Yeah. If that's not too uh too disrespectful, right? That there should be this uh, proleptic, this forward-looking aspect to the supper because of what Jesus says, but also because we say the kingdom of God will be, the new creation will be this feast. I mean, that's the picture Scripture keeps getting giving us is what's something you enjoy in life? What's well, a party? It's a feast. So Jesus' first miracle, like the kickoff, is at a wedding. Yep, It is turning water into wine to
0: keep the feast going. So, And as... As uh, yes, yeah, as he's as he's observing everyone sipping on their wine, and he's he's saying, "My time has not yet come. There will be a time when when we will have this together, yes. this this feast together after his work is done." That's a just a great. I mean, you see, that's what John started Jesus with that, and you actually see that here at the end of Revelation. I mean, so these things seem to to have been inherently connected. I think so i think
1: that's that's good to draw and good for us to remember when we when we celebrate the lord's supper that this is a celebration yeah and it not only looks back to the cross but it looks forward to that to this final to this ultimate
0: marriage supper yeah anything else we need to say about the church as the bride of christ we didn't touch on ephesians
1: 5 that much but i think that brings out that image some more and reminds us that this is why god takes Marriage important is because he has chosen this as a picture yeah. for yeah. his church, his love for his people, yeah. for his church. So
0: uh, it's worth considering, worth looking at. But yeah, we we can move on. But for the second time, let's keep let's keep going. Let's go on to the second metaphor in uh, under that, which is the church as the body of Christ. You have a text you want to start. You would start out when you think about the church as the body of Christ. Let's do Romans twelve. Yeah. Twelve five. Mm-hmm.
1: I think that'll give us a good place to to start. Not as you know, We'll get over to 1 Corinthians here in a minute, but okay. Um, all right. Well, I guess we should start. So twelve four. Uh, Paul writes: For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another.
0: Can I read 1 Corinthians 12 back-to-back back with that so we can kind of compare them Absolutely, in our brains? That may be interesting. Let me read 14, and then I'm going to jump. So I'm going to start at 14. For the body does not consist of one member but of many. Um verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, in various kinds of tongues. All, are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I will show you still more excellent way. So... In, oh well, you gotta read it now at that point. Oh, you want me to keep going? Well, I think you just gotta
1: go Ephesians four. Okay. Just all right. well, knock that out. Don't we'll have all our text out there. But right. there's just such and Paul's using the same language. He's talking about this in the exact same way. Yeah. That and he, Christ, gave <clears throat> and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Right, that this is yeah. this is the body of Christ, and there are these offices, there are these gifts, and the purpose of that is the
0: health of the body. So that's what each of them seem to have in most in common. That it's talking about gifting among giftings among the church. Yes, and and even offices of the church mm-hmm. that we would see in that, but that because the the metaphor this is one of those metaphors that I just feel like it could almost go on endlessly like you could just talk about this metaphor ad nauseum yes. over and over yes. because they they're so it's one of the it's like a it's like a really good uh like a really good sermon illustration that you just feel like you get so much use out of I've
1: okay. never had one of those but good good I've heard of those I've before. heard of the,
0: I've heard I've heard them before never <laughs> had one personally <laughs> never thought of one myself but it just seems like one of those where you could just right. accomplish so much You think
1: about it? unity in the body yeah nece- the necessity of the church mm-hmm our call to live out Christ's commands, to show Christ to the world, to yep. be his hands and feet. Yep. I mean, you can take, you're right. You can take this in so many directions.
0: So are, I mean, are all those appropriate to do? I mean, c- can we rightly say, look at all of the ways that this metaphor can teach us? Or would we, or would we go back and say, here's the main idea of what this metaphor is trying to teach us. But, but we could fairly build all these other, all these other conclusions and and explanations out of. Yes,
1: uh, <laughs> did I answer your question? <laughs> I think, but I think it's the beauty of Paul choosing this picture because in, I think it's particularly the letter to the Corinthians, right? It is this idea. I mean, I think he's getting at humility is one of the biggest things in that letter that you actually need everybody else in the body. But to get there, he talks about the different gifts. And so it's about the necessity, but he's also pushing the unity. Uh, But I think the beauty of using a metaphor like this is that it doesn't stop with just the, you need to be unified. All your gifts are important, you need each other. But it just raises the imagination, helps us see, I think, Helps us see even the larger implications of this that are I think inherent in what in Paul's instructions, especially in Corinthians, in his letters, mm-hmm. about what the church should be, who the church should be, and what the church should do, mm-hmm. and they're encapsulated. So I don't think it's like an illegitimate transfer of meaning into it because mm-hmm. it's it's woven in there, and especially in Corinthians, yeah. You think that's fair? or am I, Oh, yeah, no, no. This is my English I, literature background coming in here.
0: No, I think it is, because well, you see that, to your point in Corinthians. I mean, that's where that, right before that text starts, for just as the body is one and, and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. There's a heavy emphasis on the unity of the church in that. I mean, heavy emphasis. He's trying to accomplish that in that text, unifying the church together to see everyone falls under Christ.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think there's a humbling that has to come with that. And that's a temptation for people like us who get to to be in front of others and start to think it's all about us no 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 this is one body mm-hmm. you you might get to talk more yeah. this is one body and just all the members we we're one body yeah. we have value and purpose and meaning and we would say god in his providence has brought this body together yeah warts and all that's right he's brought us together He's sanctifying us mm-hmm.
0: but he's brought us together and so every role is essential and christ is our head yes so as to say the source the the everything of the church the yep. ephesians one yes gave him as head over all things to the church which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all so this is this is the church under christ yes it is the body of christ it is Christ's it's body. his it he's in charge
1: he directs it um and that puts us all in our place a little bit too yeah so when mm-hmm.
0: we start to get a little cocky yep because God in his grace has given us uh, some uh, some way to serve right what do you have that you did not receive I mean Augustine yeah. seems like he was on to something there well and Paul before him but yeah and Paul <laughs> and yeah I mean this is
1: <laughs> yeah I mean it's the same letter right 4 seven, first 1st Corinthians 4 7 what right. do you have that you did not receive yeah. if you if you received it why do you boast as if as if you, as did, if not. you did not Oh, yeah, and what a what a word we all need. To, I think you you think about any phase you're in in your Christian life and the church, you need to hear that you're a new believer who's zealous, and you think why are all these people just dead in their faith? Yeah, you're you know sort of in the prime of serving and leading, and you think it's up to me. This is my church. This is what I got to yeah. do. Or you you're older, you grow disillusioned with church, and you just. I, it's like every stage along the way, we need to be reminded that this is a gift of
0: grace to us. Yeah, uh, I think uh, to go back to our question about the versatility of mm-hmm. this of mm-hmm. this image. I mean, Paul draws some of that out in First Corinthians twelve. I mean, he starts to, if you're a foot, or if you're an eye, or if you're an ear, or whatever you are in the body, if you're a nose, or you know. So he, I mean, he's giving us he, he's taking some some uh, license to extend this metaphor out quite a bit. I think that probably goes to the humility component to say, "Hey, look around. Y- you're not all the same. You each have distinct roles that you're intended to fill." Uh, well, and just the sorry, the, the
1: mutuality, and the mu- like, twenty six. Right. right. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Yeah. Like this, the, if you stub your toe. Everything hurts. Yep. Right. There's no, there's no part that's unimportant. There's no part we don't care about.
0: Yeah. So when we talk about the church as the body of Christ, there's so much that can be accomplished in that one image of what the church is. Um, You know, you say it's uh, it's Christ in the world. It's His ministry continuing Mm. through His church. Yes. We read at the beginning, and we'll get to this in a minute, but that. Uh, it's founded on the work of His Spirit. I mean, So in, in 1 Corinthians 12 again, uh, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. We were all made to drink of one spirit. So this is God at work, but Christ represented through His church in the world. This is showing the unity that the church ought to have, the humility that Christians ought to have one towards the other, the service that we each ought to take in the church as our individual roles, uh, you know, as our Mm -hmm, individual giftings mm -hmm. would display, as the Spirit has willed and desired to give us, which is another great reminder that this is not arbitrary. I mean, God is in, God is the one doing this. He, Christ, right? He gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets. That's right. Yeah. So we, You know as much as it humbles us it ought to also challenge us that when we have been called Mm. in particular ways with particular gifts or particular offices as recognized by the unity of the church together then we ought to uh, we would do well to live out those things to the best of our ability and to the glory of god all right uh oh boy it's gonna be a three parter. Really no,
1: we're we're gonna it may be a three parter. All right. Cause we're gonna get three parts anyway. Let me ask you this question. Okay. Body of Christ. Yeah. We've been talking about it very much in a local church. Yeah. Right. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. Mm-hmm. This is, each each time he uses this, yeah, he's writing to a specific congregation. Yeah. Ephesians four, you might be able to say apostles. We would say that is an office that was given to the whole church, mm-hmm. to those who saw witnessed Christ. Death and resurre- hmm. or witness resurrection. Witnesses resurrection. Right. Witnesses resurrected Christ. Right. Anyways, typically though, we're thinking local church. This is how we're thinking about it playing out. This is a local church. Does this metaphor? Does this picture work for the universal church? For the big C church mm. as well? Mm.
0: Is there something there? Yeah, I think so. There is. Uh, you know, I think I think about the the necessity of uh, the unity in the local body of Christ and how equally necessary that unity ought to be in the the universal church. Um, primarily, I think it would be through the proclamation of the gospel, what our truth is, that we would all equally find unity together in that. Mm, yes. I think of Christ's words, and this is how the world will know you by... the by your love, you know, that you have for one another. I mean, those those things ought to unify us. There's certainly not going to be the same measure of unity and the accountability that we may have universally. So, like, even, even some of my dear friends who are maybe pastors or part of another church somewhere else in our county, mm-hmm. in our state, in our country, or around the world— I won't have as much accountability as I will with someone right here in my own church because I see them week after week. Right. Um, you know, Sunday after Sunday. So I think you won't see that type of unity as far as the accountability goes. But I think we ought to still see this type of unity among all of God's people that we interact with, not only now, but even throughout history. So we say, yeah, he gave some to be apostles. Mm-hmm. And we want to fall in line with what God has done historically. And I think it helps,
1: maybe makes a little more sense of how right. body is a complete image that we may not, as our particular manifestation of the local church, we're not everything that the church has ever been. Yeah, um, for all people, and so probably helps it give a little bit bigger picture of how the church can fulfill its role in the world. That different churches are called to different areas, to different regions, to different people, and that's okay. We don't. Right. We actually all shouldn't look alike because. If we switch the metaphor a little bit our part of the body is different
0: that's right I think it helps to show that even local churches tend to have ways in which they are uniquely gifted yes exactly to your point to say yeah as a local church this is the representation of our ministry in the world it's not going to look identical to any other church in the world probably, that's right or in history at any at any mm-hmm. one given time but together we accomplish what God desires in the world. Is that kind of what you were thinking?
1: Not when I asked the question, but I think that's a really good place to end up. I think that's a great inference. I was thinking about um, the way we relate to our missionaries and the church plan, those we send out, and that connectivity we still have. Yeah. Yeah. just that we are, I mean, Paul says right you because you are partnering with me in the gospel when he writes to the Philippians yeah. church. So I think that, that was where I was thinking, but I, where we ended up, I think it was really helpful to see be who God has called you to be. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be everything. Mm-hmm. You don't have to, as a church, you have to make choices about what ministries you're involved in Um yeah which missionaries you support i mean you you're always making choices we have finite resources, you know humanly speaking, we have finite resources, and so we we support them, we send people to certain places we send and that's okay yeah we don't we can't be everything yeah. to everyone yeah yeah uh
0: I think we've got time to do one more thing, okay, and this is gonna be fun all right, I think this may help wrap up the whole conversation, you know we Maybe a little, I, I probably can take the blame for thinking we could accomplish all three of the, these things in one podcast. The people of God, the body and bride of Christ, temples of the Holy Spirit. I See, think I think you pretty- should
1: just take the blame for keeping these so short. I mean, I could be here an hour and a half, <laughs> except I want to go eat dinner. So uh,
0: maybe not. <laughs> so we are going to wait and do temple of the Holy Spirit next podcast. It's going to be a three parter, it's just inevitable. We got to give the people what they want. Give them what they want. Let me read this. This isn't going to be an extended quote, and I think it will help us. This is, uh, and I'm going to get you to guess after I read it. Oh, this is this always is. a fun game. And this is, and a this fun is game. going to be a sermon okay. preached on Revelation, which is connecting these ideas of the church as the bride of Christ and the body of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. and all it's going to, And it's going to have one question also at least that I want to ask as a follow-up. Are you ready? <laughs> See if you can guess. Who preached this Well, you sermon. really
1: only read sermons from one person right now? Don't think about that. Just okay. see if you can all guess. Right.
0: I'll see if I can guess. And <laughs> the false church is to be judged when then the true church of Christ is to be acknowledged and honored with what is called a marriage supper. The false church must be put away before the true can shine, shine out in all its luster. Oh, that Christ would soon appear and drive our falsehood From off the face of the earth. At present, it seems to gather strength and to spread till it darkens the sky and turns the sun into darkness and the moon into blood. Oh, that the Lord would arise and sweep away the deadly errors which now pollute the very air. We long for the time when the powers of darkness shall be baffled and the pure everlasting light shall triumph over all. We do not know when it shall be, but come what may. To stand in the way that day the world shall see, when the truth of God shall vanquish error, and when the true Church shall be revealed in all her purity and beauty as the bride of Christ, and the apostate Church shall be put away once and for all and forever. A sermon by
1: you know that's your voice is actually how Spurgeon sounds in my mind so that's just my guess at this point but uh and you would be correct. Well, I there we go.
0: They didn't give you that uh church history degree uh for for very easy did they? I Man, you had to work at that one. that's impressive. Well, you knew here's exactly the thing. Who I was it's uh,
1: I was actually always good at standardized testing because you know, you just sort of go with the uh, <laughs> the context clues. Uh
0: I mean it's uh I like that little text. I mean it's it is the, the Reverend Charles H. Spurgeon preaching on Revelation. But when, as read by the Reverend <laughs> T H. Smiley. CH Spurgeon, CHS, TH Smiley, THS. I mean God can't have meant that unintentionally. Can't how many <laughs> <laughs> how many negatives are in that sentence? <laughs> Enough to confuse everyone listening. the the one thing I mean, I like I like the text. I I like Spurgeon's uh I mean, he's praising in the middle of this. There's just so much to be said, but really, why I wanted to read that was to talk about one thing. I mean, he talks about a true and a false church, and of course, he's using the imagery of the bride of Christ and and the the, the false church being put away once and for all. And this is something he's hoping for and longing for. So, I mean, so what what is he meaning, you think, by true and false church? how are we to understand what is the true church and what is the false church? Is there anything that defines these for us?
1: Yes. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I think we would say the doctrine, what is taught, what is preached at the church, what is believed is one indicator. Um, I think we could say the ethics of the church the ethical behavior mm-hmm. are they living is the church as a whole living in line with the teachings of Christ yeah. are they doing what Christ has called them to do so we we could put in that not just doing sort of what we think of as moral actions but also the serving the love yeah the mission uh you know being partaking in the mission of God and that sort of thing and you know um so one Dr. Allison, one Mm -hmm. of my ecclesiology professors, very Mm -hmm. helpful in his book talking about, if you look at it as a spectrum, right, there is certainly a breaking point where things you can say, this is a true church, this is a false church, but Mm -hmm. also just the reality that in the true church camp, there are more pure and less pure churches on those lines. And so some churches, and we see this in Revelation with the letters, some churches are very good doctrinally, Mm Um, but have lost that love, right, this church at Ephesus, right, they've lost their first love, which uh, G.K. Beale will say is really their their zeal for the mission of God, for yeah. sharing Christ with their their community, yep. for being witnesses. And so that marks some churches. Other churches are great evangelistically yeah. and are off doctrinally. And you, you can go through and see that. So I think the reality of more and less pure churches is there, but... Yep. There's the dividing line where you have to say, To be a church, to be a Christian, you must affirm God is Trinity. Yep. Christ is the way of salvation. Yeah. Right. There are certain things that
0: you must affirm. Yeah. The Bible is God's word. Yeah. It's probably up there. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's so good and important. I kind of put you on spot there, but we've talked about that before, so I knew you'd have a good answer. Well, you can it. always edit it out. Uh I'm not gonna edit that out because that was really good. And I think a lot of it does come down to the when we forget what we are, and to Mr. S- reverend C.H. Spurgeon's point, whose we are. Uh, What's he, Reverend? Re- I mean, he wasn't ordained, isn't he? Just Mister? Um, no, he, he's 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 uh, he's not ordained. So he wouldn't be Reverend, would he? This is really really important side note here. Uh, we'll answer that on the next podcast. Thank you are gonna have do to some research here. Well, they're gonna have to come back to hear the real. Yeah, answer. where's Davis to check up on this? So it. I think to his point, though, it's when you forget whose you are, that yeah. the church is Christ's. It's his bride. It's his body. And when we start to move out from under that, we're, we're no longer what we are, uh, what we are called to be, who we are in Christ. I mean, that, that kind of thing. So we just want to be careful to say when we talk about the church as the body of Christ and the bride of Christ, this is not—it's I mean, not something to be taken lightly. This is That's a right. defining feature of of who the church is and what the church does, exactly to the two things you highlighted: what we, what we believe and and how we live that out in the world. And it's defined by Christ. It's shown in God sending His Son into the world to save us. Christ is our head. The Spirit is the one at work in us to give us power to do the work that He's called us to do. So, I mean, all of this. Is uh, what the church ought to be and is called on on earth.
1: And what hope, right? That he doesn't forsake his body. Yeah, that's right. That he preserves us, that he will lead us to that marriage supper of the Lamb that yeah. we uh, where
0: we started. Yeah. That that's where we're going and he gets us there. We gave our listeners today about five and a half minutes of extra content. We threw that in for free. Just because we were feeling generous. And we'll have to come back next week to finish uh, this podcast series on the church with the church as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for your time today, John. All right. Thank you, Tyler.